good morning. Um, got some good news. I'll go ahead and pass along to you guys while I'm thinking about it. Uh, I went up Thursday up to Crossroad up to the children's home, and I got I'm licensed, certified, whatever you want to call it, to uh, to volunteer up there and and go and visit. And they've put me on as the number one person to meet with Boo Boo. Hopefully in February I'll be his. Um, his go-to person, so I'll be going up there on, in February, start hopefully in February, uh, after church on Sundays. Uh, our goal, if, as long as the judge and everything works everything out, would be on Sundays that we'd be able to go get them and bring them to church with us. So y'all be praying about that. That's uh, Lord just opened up that door big time Thursday. I had no clue that that was even a possibility. Um, but when I was up there Thursday talking to him, um, Kathy was telling me about the award ceremony that they just went through, and uh, I had just mentioned something about the carpenters, and I guess that's the only bunch of carpenters that there is up there at the children's home right now, and she said that they racked up a bunch of awards Thursday. They had some kind of award ceremony, and all three of them were just racking them up, so it, she said they're doing great, and just want to let you guys know that they are doing good, and um, they got big things coming down the pike for them next month, so just be in prayer for for those kids and, and uh, uh, all that's involved in, in their in their care right now. Um, and I'll say this, I won't be here next Sunday, but I strongly encourage y'all to not skip out since I'm not here. Please be here. Uh, I, we have a, a brother, uh, Jeffrey Austin, is coming. He is uh, from, he comes from uh, Vanderpool Baptist Church, which is right behind my house. Um, Awesome man of God. Absolutely love him to death. Um, he was the pastor down, I think it's Fox Creek Baptist Church down towards Statesville. Um, he recently resigned from there and is back up here. Uh, but he will be here next Sunday to fill in for me. And I will be in Israel. So I leave tomorrow for Israel. So be in prayer for that little trip. I'll be back uh, 29th or 30th, one of the two, as long as I don't get snowed in. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We're going we're gonna to keep going kind of where we was at last week uh, about giving away things. And, uh, you know, we looked at Peter and John last week, and, and they, they gave a man that was unable to move something greater than silver or gold. That's what the Bible said. Silver and gold hath, hath we none, not. They didn't have anything to give them. They didn't have money. They didn't, couldn't cut him a check. Or give them a coupon and run down to McDonald's and give them a, a, a whatever down there. Definitely not a Frosty. But the, he didn't, they couldn't give him any of that physical stuff that he was asking for. But they said, I got something greater that I want to give you. And they told him about Jesus. And the man jumped up, he leapt up, and he went and he worshiped Amen. with them. So we're going to go another step further with that today. Still going to be in Acts. And we're going to look at something that was given away as well. Now, we all have something to give away. Every one of us has something that we can give away. It might not be physical. I, I can't give you a car. I'm not going to give you my house. I'll stay there if you want to, but I ain't going to give it to you. I might give you some clothes. Might not. I don't know. Might not be my size. We've all got physical things that we could give away, but it ain't good enough. There's one thing that each one of us has that we can give away that we don't lose. Because if I give you, if I give Conley my coat, I just lost my coat. 
but I can give Conley something that I can keep as well, and that's my faith. I can give him, I can show him my faith, I can show you my faith. We can show each other our faith. We can give that faith away, but we never lose our faith. In my opinion, if I show somebody my faith, my faith gets stronger, especially when they get hold of it and take off, and they see how good that faith is and how good my God is, the God that we serve. So it makes you, it makes you feel good, and it's an encouragement to you, and I believe in my heart it makes our faith stronger in the God that we serve. So this morning we're going to look at that. We're going to look at giving away our faith just a little bit more. Now when we talk about sharing our faith and giving our faith away, uh, some folks freeze up. Sometimes we talk about being a witness or, or going out and handing out tracts or, or going to a prayer meeting or going and praying together or just joining another church in an event. And some people freeze up because they say, that, that's just not me. I can't do that. It's hard for me to do that, and I, I completely understand that. And we'll talk about it a little bit later, but we're going to look at somebody that done just that. They went from being a part of huge groups of people seeing salvation down to one. And that's, that's a big deal. That's a big change. That's a shock to the system when you go from large groups to one person. But we're going to talk about that here after a while. Our scripture this morning, it focuses on four things. It's going to focus on a man named Philip, a eunuch from Ethiopia, an angel, and the scripture. Four things. And it takes those four things to make this whole thing work out and come together uh, and to be pleasing to God. So we're going to look at those four things. The angel, the deacon, the eunuch, and the scripture this morning. Um, and all four of them, again, are necessary for this all to take place. If you've got your Bibles open to, to Acts 8, verse 26, stand with me. Verse 26 to the end. Acts 8, 26. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, which is Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? He said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the, pla the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare the, his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went, a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Astus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to, to Caesarea. Let's pray. Father, this morning again, we, we just ask for a, a double portion. For, Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, pour out your Holy Spirit uh, upon each and every one of us today, Lord. I pray that we come in here ready to worship. Lord, I pray that we come in here ready to give something away to somebody. Lord, whether it be a smile or a handshake or a hug or, or our faith. Father, I pray that we can, we can give someone something here today that's needed in their life. Father, I pray that you would bless this time that we have together. Father, I pray that you would lift up those that are hurting today, Lord. We, we know of so many that are, are hurting today, whether it be through sickness, uh, Lord, with health uh, issues, Lord, with the loss of a loved one that we're hearing a lot about this week. God, I just pray that you would uh, use this church, Lord, to be a, a comfort to someone. I pray, Lord, you'd use each one of us as a vessel to go into the life of someone that's struggling. Lord, and, and preach Jesus like Philip did. Lord, just show the love of Jesus on someone uh, that may be hurting. God, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. All this your son's name we pray. Amen. First thing we want to look at this morning, when God is ready for us to share, he's going to give us direction. When God, when God himself is ready for us to share, he will give us direction, and I, I promise you that. He will, he will guide you. He will so guide you. You don't do this stuff on a whim. You can't go on a whim. You can't go on a hunch. You go on God's guidance. That's how, the, that's how Philip done it. He went on God's guidance, and that's the way he expects each one of us to do it. Now, God right here is opening up a new door for Philip. And like I said a while ago, the gospel is spreading like wildfire in groups. If you go back to Pentecost, what was Peter doing? Peter's preaching Christ, him crucified, and he's seen 3,000 saved. So there's great things going on. And then you turn around and you, and you look at um, Peter and John. They're doing some tag team preaching over there, and they go to jail. But before all that takes place, what happens? Over 2,000 are saved. So you're, we've seen right there just in two small incidents, two big groups, 3,000, 2,000, 5,000 people are coming to know Jesus through the preaching of him being crucified through these men of God who have been called by God preaching Christ. And then you got the masses coming out and they're being baptized. They're being saved and they're being baptized. So we're seeing great things in big groups. And then you got little old Philip. God called him out and said, go to Gaza. Go to Gaza. You got a 50-mile trip under your belt. I need you to go to Gaza. Why? That's one of the things. This, this, this reaching out to large groups of people is working great. We're seeing salvation. Why, God, would you call one man out to go see one more person? Ain't that what we would say? Ain't that what the flesh would say for us? You know, why, God? We got a great thing going on in Avery County. Why would you call me to, to Yancey? I don't know. I'm not going nowhere, by the way. Just in case y'all just thought that was going somewhere else. It's not. But think about it. We've got a great thing going on in one spot. Why would God pull us away to go somewhere else? We think that way. Philip didn't. Philip didn't. I don't think he batted an eye. Okay, I'll go. 
I'll go. I'm going to go through the desert. I'm going to walk 50 miles in the desert. I'll go where you say go, Lord. Gaza. Why Gaza? Because God said so. Why spruce pine? Because God said so. Why Mountain City? Because God said so. we got to stop arguing with him. When God says go, if you get up on a Sunday morning and you roll over and you think, ugh, I just ain't got, I just ain't got it in me today, Lord. I just can't get put up with that preacher today. God says go. Don't argue with him. Just go. You roll out of bed one, morning, one Monday morning and the Lord says, I need you to go so-and-so, go somewhere. I need you to talk to somebody. I need you to pray with somebody. Don't say, Lord, I ain't got it in me. Lord, I stutter. Lord, I'm not a man or a woman that, that is a good prayer. Don't question God. Just go. That's all he's telling us to do is just go. Preacher David Ward's always said this. I love how he says it. The first two, first two letters in God are go. And he's, the, he's telling the truth. The first two letters in God is go. When God speaks, you go. Go wherever it might be. Philip asked absolutely no questions whatsoever. All he done was follow God's directions. This is the route I want you to take. This is exactly where I need you to stop, and this is who you're going to be talking to. And Philip said, okay, I'll go, Lord. And he went. Second thing, our primary job is to go, not to ask questions. Don't ask any questions. God knows all. God knows your heart. God knows who you are. God knows what you're capable, capable of doing. The Bible tells us I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. So I can do anything as long as God gives me that strength. So if God calls you to go do something, he's going to empower you. God's going to give you that strength. God's going to give you that courage. God will give you words to say. Wherever I send you, I'll be there with you. Whatever needs to be said, I'll put the words in your mouth. God will do it for you. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your education. Don't rely on what you just read in your quarterly. quarterly. Get out. Rely on what God puts in your heart. Rely on what God puts in your mouth. That's, that's what's important. That's what you go on. That's what you say. You say what God tells you to say. You preach what God tells you to preach. You sing whatever God tells you to sing. But whatever he puts in your heart, you do it. And that's what uh, uh, Philip is going to do. He's going to go do exactly what God told him to do. Now, you remember, we all remember what happened when uh, God spoke to Jonah. Y'all remember that? Go over, go over to Jonah 1 real fast. Jonah 1.1 1, 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He's running from God. Y'all ever gotten the bottom of that boat before? The bottom of that boat's the most lonely place you'll ever be. Because you tried to run from God. There's nobody else around you except for you and God. You can't hide from him. Jonah, when you first read that, 
Jonah's got to be one of the dumbest people I've ever read in the Bible. How do you hide from God? How do you get in the bottom of a boat and hide from God? You can't. You can't. You'll never win that game of hide and seek. He'll find you every time. No matter where you try. You can't get in the bottom of a boat. You can't get under a pulpit. You can't get under that table in front of the pulpit. You can't get under a pew. You can't go to a closet and hide. God will find you, and God will use you. Trust me. I've told you all the story about whenever the Lord called me to get uh, to start preaching. I got as far up underneath that table as I could at Westview Baptist Church trying to hide from God. Didn't happen. He still found me. He still called me. He still using me. We've got to listen to what he says. We can't be like Jonah. And he spoke to Abraham too back in Genesis. He said, leave your country. Leave your people. Leave your daddy's house. Get out of here. Let me lead you. I got a land I'll show you. What would we do if we was just like him? We would question God. My first question is, where, Lord? Where, where are we going? Where are we going? Where do you want me to go? Don't worry about it. I'll show you later. That's what God's telling us. He might not tell us right now that we got to go to, to McDowell County, but he might be telling us we got to go. Don't ask questions. He's going to answer it for you in time. He's preparing you. And you might not go right now. He might be preparing you to go years down the road. He might be preparing you right now for some great mission trip, or even he might even be calling you, working in your heart right now, to go serve on the mission field for a while. I don't know. Don't ask questions. When God says go, you get ready to go. Don't you find no boat and crawl down to the bottom of it because you're just going to get further away from God, but he's still going to be right there with you. You're just... He just caused himself a lot of trouble when he got the bottom of that boat. He just paid some money that he didn't need to be spending right there. It is a step of faith. Everything that we do when we do for God is a step of faith. When he calls you to do it, you just take that step and say, here I am. Don't go backwards and say, come get me. You step forward and say, here I am. Send me. Here I am, just, just whatever you got in store for me, Lord, just do it. If you read there in verse 27, I love what, what he done. Philip says, or the Bible says, he arose and went. It didn't say he sat on a stump and thought about it. It didn't say he, he went to different churches and asked for support before he went. The Bible says he arose and went. No questions asked. He just went. He didn't hide. He didn't say, hey, can we do one more revival? Can we see, we've seen 2,000, we've seen 3,000. Uh, can we try for one more revival and get 4,000 before I leave? He just, it, the Bible just says he arose and went. He got up and gone. He is out of there. He was gone to uh, Gaza. And I'll be honest with you, for years growing up, especially, I struggled with this thing called witnessing. I struggled. Unlike Philip, he didn't have, he didn't have any trouble going. But when I was saved... And even before I was saved, when I was at Willowdale, uh, where me and my sister were both saved, prior to being saved, we done a ton of stuff. The youth group, we was always gone and doing. And I remember one time we was going to Alabama for some youth conference. And we was packed in this van, and it was hot, because you know Alabama in the summer. It was hot, and we was at a stoplight. And we was getting antsy. We'd been in that van for hours, and we was, we was getting antsy, and we was ready to get out. And I remember we'd come to a stoplight, 
And when that stoplight turned, we were slowing down, it was turned yellow, and it turned red, and they flung the doors open on that van. And we all jumped out with tracks, and we ran, it was like Chinese stoplights, but we ran out, and we was just sticking tracks in windows, and then we'd come back and jump in the van. And I didn't mind that, because I didn't have to talk to nobody. I just threw a track in and went on. I had trouble with that. And then I get my license, and I'm a Christian. I'm still struggling with the witness side of it. So what do I do to, to not have to talk to somebody one-on-one? I put a Jesus tag on the front of my truck. That'll do it. Oh, I got it even better. I'm going to put one of them bumper stickers on the bed of my truck, and it says, in case of rapture, this, this vehicle will be unmanned. I still like that one. But I figure, well, while I'm at it, let me just put the little fish on my tailgate. Everybody's going to know I'm a Christian, and I ain't going to have to say a word. It don't work that way. He wants us to say a word. He wants us to say something to somebody. Yeah, he wants people to see Jesus in us, but he wants us to be able to talk to him as well. And anything that we do, he wants us to be able to talk about Jesus and tell people about Jesus and all that he can do for them. He wants us to be that witness. But I wasn't leading my friends to Jesus. That was the downside of it. I wasn't leading nobody to Jesus, not just friends, but nobody to Jesus. Let me say as much as as we might struggle in that area, as many questions as we, we might have, our primary job as a Christian is to go. It's to go. It's to make disciples. That's what he's called us to do. You go over to Matthew 28, 19, what's Jesus tell us to do? He says, go ye therefore. He says, go. The first words in the Great Commission, Go. Go do something for him. Go do something in Jesus' name. Whatever you do, do it in Jesus' name. God will direct you direct you to the lost people. Now, the third thing, God's already at work in their life. I think we know that. God's working in their life. He's using us, but he's doing something with them now through the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's working on them now. Go over to verse 27 again. I can't even find 27. There it is. And he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, and was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29 says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now this eunuch from Ethiopia had just been worshiping in Jerusalem. So God was working on him already. He'd gone up to, to the temple or wherever he's at, and God's already stirring in him. He's working him. God's doing some, something in his heart. And he's, you guys, some of y'all may remember when you come to salvation, when you come to know Jesus, there was something stirring in you. You were sitting in preaching maybe, and the preacher said something, and it's like a light bulb went off, and then it just starts working in you and working in you. That's what's going on with the eunuch here. He's heard something. Something has been said that's stirring his heart. And so the Lord is working in him right now. And we know he was a religious man. This eunuch was a religious man. And now he's just looking for some truth. I think he heard the truth. But he just wasn't sure exactly what to do with it yet. Now he's sitting right there in his, in his little chariot. And he's reading Isaiah. And he's trying to figure out what to do with it. Preacher Bradley Swift one time. Uh, we worked together at the police department. Preacher Bradley he got saved, sitting in his patrol car, 
reading the Bible. I always, whenever I read about the eunuch, I always think about Bradley. Same thing. Not that he wasn't reading Isaiah 53, but he was reading in his Bible. The Lord worked in his life, and he got saved. We don't have to be in church. You don't have to be in church to get saved. You can be anywhere. Um, Daniel Davis, you know, Brother Daniel down there at Beach Valley. He's in his laundry room, walked by and read footsteps of Jesus. He said he couldn't get far enough under the washing machine to get away from God. God saved him right there in the laundry room. It don't have to happen in church. Love it when it does. I love it when we, we can there and we can celebrate with you. But it don't have to happen at church. You get in there and you start reading the Word of God, and He'll work in your life. Now, this, this, uh, this scroll here was opened many times. It was preached out of and read many times throughout the, the old days there in Philip's days. And it was read to many people. Not a lot of Jews, because it's Isaiah 53, and they refused to, to read this because it has to do with Messiah. But now here he is. And that's why I think, I think that's why this scripture, this is just me thinking. I think that's why the scripture worked on him so much, because he grew up not reading that scripture. And I think the Holy Spirit was working on him through that, that scripture because it is talking about the Messiah. It's talking about Jesus Christ himself. God uses at least five different ways to draw people to himself. Right now, he uses the church. God uses the church to draw people to him. This man had just left that worship service. Have you ever thought that maybe someone who's leaving church today might need some help? That happens on Sundays. Sometimes people get out of here and they needed help. They need help. They need somebody to talk to them. They need a hug. They need a handshake. They might just need you to say, hey, you doing okay? Amen. We need that. Church, give them some direction. It don't have to be me. It can be any of us. Any one of us can give them some direction. Any one of us can give them a little bit of Christian love. Any one of us can do it. But God will use his church to reach people, especially those in need. Number two, God uses prayer. Now, I want to encourage you to do this. I've got a few on my list right now. But I want to encourage you to do this. Sit down sometime. And I want you to think of five people in your life that are either unchurched or unsaved. Just five people. You can make it more. But five makes it a lot easier to pray for. But you take them five people and you write them down. And you pray for them five people. If there's 30 of us in this church right now and we all 30, write down five people, that's 150 people that we're praying for right now that need a church or they need Jesus. But I was take a step further. What if 90% of y'all say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard and only 10% of us actually write it down? Well, still, that's 15 people. That's 15 people that we're praying for, that we're trying to get into the church, that we're trying to get the love of Jesus to. Let that sink in. We need to be praying. We need, I don't, you don't have to do five. If you've got 55 or 5,000, I don't care you got people in your heart that you know that are unsaved and unchurched, we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying hard for them because we ain't got much time left. We ain't got much time at all left. And believe it or not, 
we got plenty of seats open here at Chestnutdale. I wouldn't mind one bit for them to come on into church and be with us. But we need to be praying for those people that are not in church, that are not hearing about the love of Jesus and are not saved yet. They need that salvation. The third thing, God uses the Holy Spirit, and I think we all know this one. We talk about it a lot because he draws them. But here's the thing. The Spirit guides us and draws them. It ain't just them being drawn. He's going to guide us. So he may be using us to go down the road. Uh, Luke 12, 12 says, For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. Be ready in season, in season, out of season. Read, read the Word. Study the Word. And then the Bible says, For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. He's going to tell you. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. John 6, 44 says, No man come unto me except the Father which hath sent me to draw him. So we're drawn into that salvation. Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to draw those people that are lost. And you may just be that little blessing that pops up to help lead them to Jesus. I like it. Now, number four, God uses our circumstances. Every one of them. Good and bad. I was reading about a a husband and wife that they very active in their church, and they got a call one time that the 30-year-old daughter um, had been killed in a car wreck. And so they left the church and went to deal with the viewing and the funeral and all the things that go along with the death. And, and during the church service, during the funeral service, the mom got saved. They was already active in the church. When they finally got back to their church, the dad got up, the dad got saved. He said he'd been sitting there thinking and praying about the, the brevity of life and how short it is and how we don't have much time. We don't have much time. And he got saved. God used what was the most difficult circumstance that they had ever faced in their entire lives. He used that, that circumstance in a good way so that now they know Jesus. They have peace with Jesus. Good and bad, God uses all circumstances. Now the fifth thing, God uses the scripture, and that's kind of what we was looking at with, with the eunuch here. The Bible is his roadmap. The Bible always gives us direction. I don't care what's going on in your life. The Bible will give you direction. You young girls, you young teenagers out there, it's, it's, except for Abby, it's, it's, I mean, you're thinking about dating now a little bit. You know what? You got questions about it? Right here's where you're going to find your answers. And me. I'm going to give her her answers. You're going to find your answers right there in the Bible. You young men thinking about dating and courting? Right here it is. You got questions? Right here's your answers. You husbands and wives got troubles in your marriage? You don't know where to go? Let me tell you where to go, right here, because this Bible's got your answers. You're going to find your directions. you got troubles in your life, you're going to find your directions right here. Philip was standing there at the time of this conversation that, Isaiah, or that uh, the eunuch is kind of having with himself. He needs help. Well, oh, that makes sense. That's why he just went 50 miles out of his way to Gaza 
because somebody needed help. This man was reading Isaiah 53. Uh, look over at Acts 32 again, 832. It says, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led a sheep to the slaughter, and like a, dumb, a lamb dumb before his shear, so open he not his mouth. Ninety-eight times we find the word lamb in the Bible. Ninety-eight times you'll find the word lamb. Over 500 times you'll find the word sheep in the Bible. That's pretty important stuff. But I think it was throwing this, this eunuch off because he'd never heard of lamb the way that he was reading lamb. Lambs were commonly used for sacrifice. He knew that. He knew that, that to go up to the temple and to worship and to have his sins forgiven, that he had to find a blemishless lamb to sacrifice. He had to buy a lamb to die on his behalf so that his, his sins would be atoning and that he would be able to be forgiven by God. He had to find that lamb, but it didn't make sense what Isaiah was writing here. When there was a shedding of blood, there was forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Jesus is the lamb that Isaiah was talking about. That's why the eunuch couldn't figure it out, because he had been deprived his whole life of that scripture. He had no clue who the lamb was that Isaiah was talking about, but the Holy Spirit got to clicking and working in him, and, oh, look, there's Philip to help explain it to him. All he needed was somebody to take time out of their life to stop and tell him about Jesus. That's all he needed. And that Philip was the man. The very one Philip was reading about right there. Now, when, when God puts someone on your heart, you got to remember some things. God will direct you. Just like we said earlier, go. If, if the Lord's dealing in somebody's heart about salvation and they just ain't got it yet. They're a little bit confused. They still Maybe they're reading Isaiah 53. I don't know. They may be in John 3.16 trying to figure that thing out. I don't know. But if God is working in somebody's life and they need help, I promise you, you're going to be a Philip to somebody. God's going to call you and say, you need to go help that person. You need to go help them better understand what they're reading, what they don't understand. You also, number two, when God calls, we're going to go. Don't drag your feet. Just go. Just do it. Don't get in the bottom of your boat. Just go. Number three, God is already working in their life. Remember that. God is dealing with them. Holy Spirit's in there. He's working in them. You, you might just be a little part of that. Hope and pray. Number four, start with a question. This is one thing that, that I like about Philip. Go over to verse 30. It says, And Philip ran th thither, to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Now listen, this is Philip asking the question, Understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you get it? Do you understand? We talk about this a lot. There's 30 people here, roughly. We can read Isaiah, I'm sorry, Acts 8, 26 through 40. Each one of us can read it right now. And it's going to be 30 different things. It's going to mean 30 different things to each one of us. But Philip took the initiative and said, do you understand what you're reading? Or do you need some help? What can we do for you? He went over that to that man sitting in his chariot and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no. And he says, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? Be ready in season and out of season. You never know when you're going to have to explain something to somebody. 
You may have to try to explain Romans 8, 13. You might be blessed enough to be able to explain Romans 10, 17. I don't know. Some of my favorite ones. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I like it. Can we explain it? Eunuch says, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? Church, you're that someone. You can be that someone. You can be that Philip to explain it to that person. The fifth thing, and this is the hard one for us as Christians especially, learn to be patient. We've got to learn to be patient with people when we're trying to explain it. Never pressure them because some of us don't understand on the same level. Some of us don't comprehend things at the same level as other people do. Be patient with them. Let the Holy Spirit work in them. Don't you try to force them. I was talking to, do y'all know Kathy Dillinger over at Crossroads Children's Hospital? I, I was over there talking to her Thursday. She was explaining to me about her husband, and, and that's how he grew up. He was drugged to the altar and, and how it turned him for a while away from church. And that happens to so many people. I, fortunately, you don't see it as much now as you did back in the day. But folks, you scare a lot of people straight to hell like that. You start dragging them up to the altar saying, and, and, and making them be saved. You can't make somebody be saved. That's totally them. That's up to them to do it. You can scare somebody into making a decision, but it's just going to be on an emotion. And, and I've told you, I mean, that's what happened to me when I was eight years old. I was saved under emotion, but I never was saved. I wasn't saved by God's good grace. I was saved because there were like six little girls up there with me when I got saved. I was trying to impress them. Never pressure people, though. You can, you can scare them to make a decision, but it will be an emotion. It will not be real. If you think about fishing for men and fishing for fish, it's a lot of the same stuff that we use. If you think about fish, you've got to have the right bait for the right fish. I can't go out there with a, a mouse or a frog that I'd use to go bass fishing with and expect to catch a bluegill. It don't work that way. The Lord's going to lay on you what he needs, that person needs, he or she needs to hear. He's going to lay on your heart what you need to use to help draw them and, and, and help them understand. And the second thing you need to be good fishermen, of fish or men, is patience. How many times do you go fishing and you catch your limit within five minutes? Luckily, Paisley's not here because that's, that's how she fishes. Know how she does it but you got to have patience i fished for days and never caught a thing i've hunted all season and only killed one you got to have patience and with patience it'll happen they'll come they'll come to know jesus but you got to have patience and number six start where they are not where you are if you start where you're at in your salvation you're more advanced than they are you may have been going to church for years. You've been reading your Bible and studying your Bible for years. You've got more knowledge than they do. Maybe, they, maybe they've only been in church for a couple weeks. You start at their level. You start where they're at, not where you're at. Uh, over in verse 34 and 35, it says, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Took him straight to the scripture. <clears throat> and then he preached Jesus. 
folks you can go to people that, that are hurting, and you can talk about your church all day long. But if you don't get Jesus in there, you're just spinning your wheels. Salvation doesn't come through the church. It comes through Jesus. So you can talk about good works, and you can talk about give me your testimony. I love it. Give me testimony. But you got to get Jesus in there. And that's exactly what Philip done. He got Jesus in there. It's always, always, you always have to share Jesus. The Bible says that no man cometh unto the Father but by him. It doesn't say but by the church. It doesn't say but by the water. It says but by him. So if you ain't preaching Jesus, there's no salvation. We got to get Jesus in there everywhere we're at. We all have a platform. Every single person in this church has their own platform. Think about what you do. Whether you're in a nursery, you're dealing with people. You're at SP, you're dealing with people. You're up at the caboose, you're dealing with people. Vance, we were just talking about Vance this morning. He's, he's, he's been over at another church this week. We won't talk about that. But he's around people. Travis is around people with insurance. You're around snot-nosed youngins all day long, Kristen, but you're around people. We're all around people. Everything we do, some in government, some in construction, some, I mean, everybody is around people. We have our own platform. Take advantage of the platform that you have to get Jesus out there. I've said it before. I love this. Uh, Chris Swanson, he used to work over at Operation Christmas Child. He, we were in, a, in Peru one time, and he got to talk about Franklin, how Franklin Graham doesn't matter what show he's on. He can go on a show and they'd say, so Franklin, what's your favorite drink? And he'd say, well, Coke, because in John 3, 16, it says he always had a platform. He always got Jesus in no matter what the question was. He would flip it around and bring it right back to Jesus. That's what we do. That's what Philip done. Read the scripture, preach Jesus, and that's what we're to do. You pray, you preach, but whatever you're praying, whatever you're preaching, it better be in Jesus' name, just like Philip done. In Jesus' name, we're going to get it out there. And it's going to catch them. And it's going to sink in. <coughs> Who's God placing on your heart today? He may have already placed somebody on your heart. This might be whatever I just said a while ago. Whatever the Lord allowed to come out of my mouth may be for one person today. The Lord's worked on you about somebody that you work with. How can I be a witness to them? You go back over here to Acts chapter 8 verse 26 and read that again. You can be that Philip. You can be that, Philip. Every one of us probably got a eunuch in our life somewhere that needs to hear about Jesus. You can be that, Philip. Who's God placed in your path? Neighbor, friend, relative, I don't know. But who has he done it? When he's calling you to go to that person, go. Just go. Everybody stand with me. We're going to dismiss.